From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 12. Whether you have a, a physical Bible or if you have an app on your phone, if you don't have a Bible, physical Bible, and you want one, let us know. We grab, get one for you. Um, alternatively, you can go to the App Store and download the Version Bible app. It's the one I always recommend because it's free and it's got lots of different translations in there. And we just actually finished a group uh, plan together as a church. There's some people involved in that. Um, uh, we finished 40 days going through the, kind of the main arc story of the scripture. So... Mark chapter 12, we're looking at the story of Jesus through the lens of Mark and really looking at how Jesus lived his life in order to live like Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul speaks to the church in Ephesus and he says for us to be imitators of God, to be followers of God's example. So that's really what we're doing. And if you've been tracking with the story of Mark, I was talking with someone this morning how this latter half of, of the book of Mark, it's really hard hitting as Jesus kind of enters into um, the last stages of his life here on earth and reaching to the cross. It gets really hard hitting for a follower of Jesus and today is gonna be another one of those. Uh, so let's bow our heads, let's pray and then we'll turn to the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're with us this morning. We thank you that your presence is here. Lord, and as we prayed this morning, we pray again, your, your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are with them. And so we know that you are here. And I pray, God, that through worship, through the word, God, that we would be open to your presence changing us and transforming us. Lord, we would be open, God, to being touched, God, by, by the things you want to say. And Lord, so I pray, God, that as I share, would you speak to every heart, or the truth that you want to reveal to each of us, God. We're all in different places and different walks of life, yet you call us all, God, to, to a place of surrender and to a place of, of, of giving all of our lives to you. And so I pray, would you speak today as only you can speak. God, we bless you and we love you and we pray this in your name, Lord. And I think of those, God, today that are just going through circumstances and and illnesses, God, you know all the needs that are, are present in this room and online, God, you know the church needs, God, Lord, you know the sicknesses, you know the, can- the people fighting cancer, Lord, we think of Jim Sweet today, God, as he starts chemo this week, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just have your hand upon his life, God, you'd strengthen him, Lord, and be close to him and be near him in the name of Jesus, and for all of us, God, that are going through uh, situations and sicknesses, God, would you minister, Lord, I think of often how your word says that you're close to the broken hearted. And so in Jesus' name, God, let your nearness be felt. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 12, that's what we're looking at today. And as you're turning there, um, I want to tell you quick, um, I want to talk about my kids for a bit. I love talking about my kids. Uh, We have three kids, seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And often in our home, um, almost on a daily basis, our children are fighting over toys. Who gets to play with what toy? And if you have kids or had young kids at one point, maybe they still do as they're grown up, um, they're, they, siblings fight. You know, if you're a sibling, you know that. You remember fighting with your, with your siblings. So our kids are always fighting over who gets what toy. And almost always, it's like someone's got a piece of Lego that belongs to the other son, but he wants it back. Right? So it's almost like, he has my Lego and I, I want it. And they come to me like, I'm going to rectify this infraction, right? Like I'm gonna fix things and I'm gonna side with them and say, give it back. But almost always, almost always, I kid you not, that the son that's asking for the toy back is also playing with the toy that belongs to that other son. 
the sibling. And so I say, okay, well, yeah, you got to give your toy back, but you have to also give your toy back. And there's this kind of immediate look on the face, like they didn't realize it was going to go there. And it's just like, wait, wait, what, what, what now? Almost always. And the story that we're looking at today in the book of Mark chapter 12, Jesus is presented with this very polarizing question in the day. And he reveals something a little bit deeper than what the people were expecting. They're looking for an answer to one question. He kind of he hits it a little bit more. So let's read it together. It's found in Mark chapter 12. We're gonna start at verse 13. It says this. Later, they sent, and they is the chief leaders and the chief um, priests of the temple, sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So they're trying to butter him up a bit. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a denarii and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed. So here's my question for us today. Who or what has your ultimate allegiance? Who or what has your ultimate allegiance? Work, family, social life, finances, country. At the end of the day, what do you, which kingdom do your allegiances go to? Now you would have noticed, you've been tracking with us in the book of Mark, that almost always he's being challenged by the religious people of his day, right? So Jesus shows up on the scene in ministry, he's baptized and then he starts teaching and he starts, he starts performing miracles and people are, are astonished, right? They're drawn to him. Um, they're drawn to his teaching. They're drawn to the miracles. People are getting healed. He's accepting the unacceptable, right? He's spending time with people that religious people shouldn't spend time with. Like he's doing all these things and almost every story, the people are amazed, right? The crowds are just absolutely amazed and the religious people um, are beginning to challenge his authority. So this scene that we're looking at today, um, this happens right after the triumphal entry, right? So Jesus enters into Jerusalem and they hail him as the Messiah. He goes into the temple. If you were with us last week or watching online, you would have heard this. Um, he overthrows the, the sacrificial system. And then this happens the next day. He's back into the temple and he's teaching again. He's teaching in those temple courts. Now, right before this happens, the religious people outright ask him by what authority he's doing these things. Right? Like this challenges authority right away and he stumps them and they've got nothing left. And so they send the Herodians and they, they send the Pharisees to him um, to, to ask him. And, and really this is the key issue in this text is authority and allegiance, right? Because whoever has ultimate authority, which we believe God has revealed in Jesus, right? That he has all supremacy. Whoever has ultimate authority demands ultimate allegiance. That regardless that authority and that allegiance comes first. So you may not know this about me, but I'm actually a dual citizen. I, I'm a Canadian citizen and I'm also a British, British citizen, if I can say that. That's how much I care about it. I'm a British citizen. I was born in England at the ripe old age of two. We moved to Canada. 
And it wasn't until I was 15 that I became a Canadian citizen. My parents waited that long. For, for the longest time, I was a landed immigrant. Like I would try to cross the border and they'd question me like I had some, you know, something going on. I'm like, I'm just like a normal person. <laughs> but I have, dual, I have dual citizenship. I have two passports. I have like the, the Canadian blue one and I have like this burgundy British one. You know, and I kind of feel a little bit like a, like a spy, like a Jason Bourne type, type of person, you know? Like, a, what, what mission am I going on today, you know? Like, where am I gonna go? Which passport do I need? And I hide it away with like rolls of money if ever there's an emergency and I gotta do something. I've actually never used my British passport since I've owned it. But I'm a dual citizen, you know? I'm a dual citizen. And almost a lot of times in my life, um, I've been asked this question of, you know, if you, were, if you were to be an athlete in the Olympic Games, you know, who would you represent? You, more so when I was younger, I was asked this question than now. You know, or, if, or for whatever crazy reason, we went to war, who would you represent? And if you were to ask me when I was really young, I would say England, because that was like engraved in me by my parents, right? You are English. <laughs> but but I'd, I'd say Canada. Canada has my ultimate allegiance. I'm, I'm proud to be a British citizen, but Canada has my ultimate allegiance. The ultimate authority demands our ultimate Allegiance. So the chief priests, they send two groups of people to Jesus to trap him. They send the Herodians and they send the Pharisees. Now you would have probably heard of the Pharisees if you've been in church long enough. The Pharisees were a religious group in the day of Jesus. They were a very strict religious group. They held to a strict adherence of the Mosaic law. They were legalistic. They're letter of the law, right? Like black and white kind of um, Jewish sect in Jesus' day. Um, and they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah despite his mer- many miracles. Like, they dismissed it. Now, the Herodians, on the other hand, they were in line with Herod, the local king, and they were supporters of Rome, right? They were a non-Jewish group of people um, who supported the policy of Rome, and they would say that Jesus' leadership and his influence and his teachings were antagonistic to their interests. And so both of these groups um, come before Jesus, and they're on opposite ends of the pol- political spectrum, Like, you couldn't be more further apart than these two. But because of their hatred for Jesus, they're coming together in order to trap him with this question, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes or shouldn't we? And what they're really asking is, should we submit to the Roman rule and law? And what Jesus is gonna reveal is something incredibly more deep than what's even on the radar. Did you hear that here in the house? These two groups had diametrically opposite views when it came to paying taxes. Really, they don't care about paying taxes here. They wanna start a revolt. They They want the answer of Jesus to charge up the crowd and so there's just like a mob mentality that happens. So they come together and they, they ask him this question. And this, is, this was a key question in Jesus' time. This was like a, a heated political question during the time of Jesus. It was incredibly polarizing. You had people on different sides of the spectrum. And that sounds a little bit like where we are today, right? And what we're dealing with as a church and as people in this nation and the pandemic, you know, should we or should we not follow the, the regulations from the government? You know, should we submit as a church or should we not and, and face the consequences? You have these two extremely opposite groups coming to Jesus with this question. Now you have to understand there's a lot more tension behind this than just what, what, what it says here, right? Most people would agree 
that taxes are not lovely. Like if I were, you know, if you're in the room today, or if you're online, raise your hand if you like taxes. I can't see your hands online. There's lots of hands online. Nobody really likes taxes. I had a friend that, that lived in Alberta. He moved to Ontario for a while. And that was his biggest hangup, was paying the sales tax. He eventually moved back to Alberta. He's paying the sales tax. But for a Jew, it was more than just a blow to the budget. It wasn't just like handing out extra cash. It was so much more deeper than that in the time of Jesus. So in addition to the local taxes, so they had, they had the temple tax, which was a voluntary tax that they would pay in order to help with you know, keeping the temple um, going and whatnot. They had um, property taxes. They had import and export charges. There was uh, crop taxes. Um, there was Herod's taxes, the local king. So in addition to all that, they had this special tax. And this was a poll tax or a head tax that was instituted by Caesar in order to finance the occupying Roman army. So for them, they had all these other taxes to pay and then this special tax, which was the equivalent of a day's uh, wage. So think of how much you make in a day working. That's how much you would pay for this tax. But for the Jew, it was so much more than just, than just the price. But it was what it represented. See, they were in God's promised land. They were in the, the land that God had promised their forefathers generations and generations ago. If you remember the story of, of the Israelites being led out of slavery, out of Egypt, right? And, and through the Exodus and the wilderness. If you don't know the story, you might remember this, the movie, Prince of Egypt, right? So you remember, that's how a lot of people get the theology. Don't get your theology from movies, okay? Get your theology from the Bible. So the story of Exodus, God led them out of slavery, out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey. They're in that land. They're in that space, but they don't rule that space, right? They're, they're in the free land, but they don't have freedom in the land. They're losing in their home court. Rome was all over the house. In fact, they hadn't ruled the land for hundreds and hundreds of years. There was nation after nation that had oppressed them, and this time it was Rome. So this tax, this head tax, actually implied that the Romans didn't just own the land, but they owned the people. But the Jews considered them God's special possession. So this tax cut a little bit deeper. Now on top of that, if you looked at a Roman coin, and we have one of the denarii, can you just pop up that picture for us? On top of that, on the tax, there was an Im on the coin, there was an image of Caesar. That's his face on the coin, much like you would see faces on our coins today. But in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible, which contains the Mosaic law, that's where they get the law from, it says that no one can, can make an idol out of any image. It's the second commandment in the 10th commandments, right? That, that there was not to be anyone to fashion in any material images and then bow down to them. But staring at them in this coin is an image of their oppressor. Staring at them in this coin is the image of their oppressor. Now what was more is uh, on, the, on this coin, there was an inscription that called Caesar. It's on the other side of that one. They're called Caesar, the son of the divine. And then on this side, you'll see it on, on the, it says pontiff maxim, which actually means greatest priest. Greatest priest. So the Jews are being forced to pay a tax with an image to honor their oppressor as the son of divine, the great high priest. I know Christians that would get upset with this. Like if our government came out with a coin that said something like that, now, the Pharisees resented this. The Pharisees absolutely resented this. There were devout Jews that wouldn't even touch this coin, that wouldn't even touch this coin. But Jesus isn't threatened. 
Jesus isn't, isn't threatened when rulers or people try to claim authority that isn't theirs to claim. So this idea for the Jew, this, this question, is so much more than just mere tax. This is a question of authority. This is a question of allegiance. This is a question of hundreds of years of oppression. This is a question of spirituality. The Jews expected the Messiah to overthrow the oppressors. So would we bow down and submit to the rule and order? Like they expected the Messiah to be this political leader, this revolutionary war hero. And to be fair, Jesus was revolutionary, but not how they thought. You know what's interesting is you never see Jesus telling his followers to fight for the rights. You never see in the scriptures Jesus saying, stand up against Caesar. Now make no mistake, I think that fighting for freedoms is important. I think we should. I think there are powers and authorities that are at work right now that are using um, the political system to their own advantage. But that's not new. That's normal. And I think we should, as Canadians, fight for some things. I think we should stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. I think we should fight for the poor and the oppressed. I think those are things we should fight for. But I think also living in a free nation um, maybe has spoiled us a little bit to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I was listening to a podcast this past week where there are churches in North Korea where they're underground churches, meaning that gathering in any capacity is a risk of life for them. And when they worship, when they sing the songs, they whisper. They whisper for fear of someone hearing them and pounding down the door and arresting them. Can you imagine we did that? Would we fill this room? I'll just stay home. I can sing as loud as I want. So there are missionaries that we've had speak at this church before that where they minister, when they clap, they don't touch their hands because they don't want to make the noise. Jesus was going to overthrow oppression, but not by political revolt or conquest, but by soul-saving self-sacrifice. So they come to Jesus with this question, teacher, man of integrity, you teach the way of God, right? They're trying to, they're trying to fl- butter him up with flattery. Should we pay tax or shouldn't we? And it was a trap because if he answered yes, the religious people, the pious, right? Those that were following him, you know, that would have stirred up something with them. He would have been alienated from them. If he said absolutely not, then they would have taken him, the other group would have taken him right to the governor, to Pilate, and had him you know, tried for sedition, right, for rebelling against the law of the land. So Jesus actually says something remarkable. He says, let me see a coin. Somebody hands him a coin. I wonder who that was. I wonder if a Pharisee went in his pocket and pulled out, pulled out a coin. Hands him a coin. He says, whose image is this? And whose inscription? He answers their question with a question. You know people like that, that, that? They never really answer questions. They just answer with another question. See some people kind of doing this. Whose, whose image is on this coin? And then he says this, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. He took it to a whole nother level. Now, this text has often been used to draw a line, a distinction between the sacred and the secular, right? That 
that we give to Caesar his and we give to God his, that Caesar gets my taxes, he gets my licensing, he gets you know, my house payments, he gets my work, and then God gets my spirituality, right? He gets my non-material, he gets my soul, the non-physical stuff. Like, and, we, and we draw this, this line, this distinction, we've created this divide between sacred and secular, and it's easy to go there with this, right? Yeah, I gotta give to Caesar, I gotta give to the government, gotta do my thing over here, politics, work, everything happens here, and then Jesus is over here, and they don't come close. We don't, I'm just gonna do my church thing, I'm gonna do my work thing, I'm gonna do my Jesus thing, and I'm gonna do my political thing, and they they just don't intersect. And we use this text for that, right? We've we've created this, this divide, but this isn't exactly what Jesus is saying. It all comes down to that statement, whose image is this? The coin, now, the image in our, in our day and age doesn't mean the same as it did in their day and age. So in Jesus' time, image was associated with ownership. Like we'll have images, like pictures on a coin and it's, it's to honor something for someone did throughout history, right? Or on a, on a bill or something like that. But in, but in that time, it, it, had, it, it was associated with ownership. And he says, give to Caesar what bears his image and give to God what bears his image. See, as human beings, we are the only part of all creation who were created in the image of God. Out of all of the created order, humanity is the only one that was created in the image of God. We'll take you all the way back to Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. We bear in our being God's image. It's not the color of your hair. It's not the clothes on your back. It's part of being human. We bear in his image, his inscription is all over us. So this question is not so much of a question of whether or not to submit to authority. It's who has our ultimate allegiance. Should we submit to Rome and rule and order? That's not what it's about. It's about who has our ultimate allegiance because whoever has our ultimate allegiance or whatever has our ultimate allegiance defines the rest of our life, everything about us. Give Caesar his coin, give God you. And that means all of you, every part of you, not a sacred secular divide. You. Jesus is saying that God is our ultimate authority and he has ultimate authority over us because we've been made in his image Therefore, he gets our ultimate allegiance. Which means that all other allegiances get to go to his feet and put through Jesus first. Work, political, financial, social, it's checked by Jesus. Does how I conduct myself at work look like Jesus? Because if he gets my ultimate allegiance, then he decides how I interact at work. There's no divide. Does my politics sound like Jesus? Say, absolutely. I think Jesus is this. Don't say I think. What's the scripture say? You know, I'm, I'll, can I share my opinion really quick? Maybe I shouldn't. I think more and more Jesus is nonpartisan. I don't think there's a party in Canada right now 
of the major ones, maybe the Christian Heritage Alliance Party that represents Jesus fully. Does my finances reflect his teaching? Does my social life represent him? Does my submission to authorities represent him? So here's a question as a subject, what's it look like to submit to others? That's a question that we probably should be asking right now because of what's happening in our world. Should I submit to the authorities, to the government? Well, Romans chapter 13, verse one says we should. It says there's no authority on earth other than what's been established by God. Ephesians chapter five says to submit to one another. In marriage, men, just so you know, this, your wife isn't just to submit to you. There's a mutual submission. Submit to one another, it says, first. Children, it says to submit to your parents, even when they're not nice. Jesus talking to, to followers, so in the time of Jesus, uh, a Roman soldier could, could require any Jew at any time to carry their bags for a mile. They, they, could, they could just grab you off the street and you'd carry their bags for a mile. And Jesus told his followers to show radical love and sacrifice and says, go the extra mile. You ever heard that? Go the extra mile? That's what it means, go another mile. He says to turn the other cheek, submit the other cheek. Right, he says, if you, if you lend to someone, don't expect anything in return. How many are like, man, so-and-so's got my, you know, my chop saw. Where's my chop saw? Submission after submission, but it isn't because those things have authority. It's because who has authority over us? We submit to one another. We submit to governing authorities because God is our authority because he has authority over us. Now, there are times when we should not submit, when any of those things that we're submitting to require us to go against the law and commands of scripture. But the point here is we owe Caesar something that has his image on it, but we have been inscribed with the image of God, and therefore we owe him our entire lives. You know, elsewhere the scriptures say that we are no longer slaves, but we are slaves to Jesus. I don't like the sound of that. That's what it means to be a follower because we recognize, we took communion today, we recognize that he went to the cross for us, that he sacrificed his life for us. And so because he laid down his life, we in turn lay down our lives, right? You know, you've probably heard of the illustration before. Someone, you know, imagine you're, you're held at gunpoint, you know, because something you did, someone's gonna end your life. If someone takes your place, you'd feel what? Indebted to that person, if they just freely came and took your place or, you know, whatever it is, they paid your debt, like a physical debt. Say you got a house mortgage, you're about to lose your house and someone came in and paid the entire thing off. You'd feel indebted. It's the same thing. Someone paid with their life for my life, so I give my life. He has ultimate authority. So what's our response to this? Let me ask you this closing question. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back. Is have you given God what is God's? easy to give Caesar what is Caesar's, more difficult to give God what is God's. Now, what's interesting is the, the people that come to Jesus to trap him, they're, not, they're asking whether or not to give Caesar what is Caesar's. Should we pay the tax or not? They're not even thinking about 
giving to God what is God's. They're looking at this one small portion of life and sometimes that's how we treat God. We just invite him into our life once in a while to just say, hey, what should I do with this scenario? He's like, you're missing the whole thing. There's no divide here. I'm the authority over it all. I'm over it all. I get all of you. Give back to God what bears his image. You bear the image of God. We bear the image of God. Have you given to God what is God's? What allegiances do we need to reevaluate in light of our allegiance to Jesus? Your allegiance to your country? To your family? To your money? To your social clubs? To your addictions? To your status? to your wants. Because a follower of Jesus, do you know what we do? We lay those things down. Say, these are yours. And if he says, pick it back up, you pick it back up. If he doesn't, you lay it there, you keep it there. That's what it means to follow Jesus. A few weeks back, we talked about the rich young ruler, right? What, what was his allegiance to? His money, his wealth, and he couldn't lay it down. So the Bible says that he went away sad. And Jesus said, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because wealth can be something that, that gets our ultimate allegiance. It's hard to lay at the feet of Jesus. It's not just wealth, anything. You lay everything down. You get my family, you get my kids, you get my money, you get my career, you get my future. You get my Monday, you get my Tuesday, you get my Wednesday, my Thursday, my Friday, my Saturday, and my Sunday. You get everything. Why? Not because of the thing, but because you belong to him. It's I'm stepping in, I'm saying, I'm giving it back to you, God. Now my life is yours to do with what you want. What allegiances do I need to reevaluate in light of my allegiance to Jesus? What competes for my allegiance to Jesus? What fights for your time and attention? when the Spirit calls you to follow after Him. Like when you, when you know that you should be doing one thing or maybe even engaging in scripture, there's a part of you that's like, man, I should read the word today. And there's something else that says, oh, but I gotta fill in the blank. I'm too, fill in the blank. That's a competing allegiance. Uh, I don't really wanna go to church. I don't even wanna turn it on. Like nothing against you that are watching online, but how lazy are we? You don't even have to get out of bed. You literally can just turn on church. But when something competes for that, it's a competing allegiance. When we go to pay our tithes and our offerings, we're like, ugh, I don't know. It's a competing allegiance. When, we, when someone asks to sacrifice time, maybe not even in church, outside the world. You driving by, you see someone over the side of the road with a, with a burnt out tire, because tires burn out. <laughs> Happens in my world. Like, oh, I got, I got places to go. I got my kids in the car. It's COVID, you can't go near them. Competing allegiance. What competes for my allegiance? 
The kingdom of God for a believer, for allegiance to him, takes precedence over all the kingdoms of this world. He has ultimate authority and therefore demands our ultimate allegiance, loyalty, and commitment. So am I giving to God what is God's? So I wanna end today, we're gonna sing that last song that we, we sung earlier. I think that responding by bowing down in allegiance to him in prayerful worship is a good response. So the lyrics of this song say this, it says, I wanna be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire, Lord, here's my life. And again, we sing these to Jesus, not just in the open air. I wanna be tried by fire. When we think of, think of what a fire does, it, it purifies, it refines things, it burns up things that aren't worthy, right? You throw in precious stone that's covered in like a material, it burns away all the other stuff except for the precious stone. I wanna be tried by fire, put me through the fire, refine me. Take, take whatever part of my life you want, take it off, burn it up. Here's my life. The bridge says, clean my hands. Purify my heart, purify me of any other allegiance. I wanna burn for you, only for you. I want my passions, I want what excites me, what drives me, the only for you. How do you know if you have a competing allegiance? What, what excites you the most? Do you get that kind of way about God? And just so you know, often the passions that we have are the things that God has put in us, the, the giftings and the talents that he's given us, the things that, that we can be using to his glory. But the difference is, and I use the example of art this morning, like if, if, I've, if I love art, if I love drawing, like my kids love to draw, like they get excited about it. If they, they, they can just draw for drawing's sake or they can draw out of glory to God. That's the ultimate allegiance. He has my ultimate allegiance. He's the ultimate authority. I do this because he's gifted me. God, thank you for giving me this gift to enjoy. But if I just do it for the sake of doing it, that's for me. I burn only for you. So would you stand with us? And if you're at home, I wanna encourage you to stand as well. If you're watching online, you're with your family, stand. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. You know, nobody needs to be watching each other. We're not here for each other. We're just here for the audience of one, and that is Jesus. And here's what I wanna challenge you to do, whether you're at home or you're here, I just want you to open up your hands like as a posture of, of worship and prayer. It's a sign of surrender. As the team leads us in this song, let's begin to worship. Let's begin to bow down. Let's give um, him our lives. And as we sing this, let it be a, a truthful prayer that we pray. Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.